Welcome to this podcast that is all about funding. From grants to crowdfunding, I will be answering questions and providing tips and advice on how to best move forward in securing grants and funding for your nonprofit, research, or business. My name is Holly Rustic, and I'm creator of WeGo Consulting and Amazon best-selling author for wish-granted tips, tools, and templates to write a winning grant. Want to get more grant writing and funding resources, books, and online courses? Visit www.grantwritingandfunding.com or wegogrants.com. Check out our free templates. Or if you have any grant writing or funding questions, you can always send me an email at hollywego at gmail.com. That's H-O-L-L-Y-W-E-G-O at gmail.com. I'm excited to hear from you and to try my best to answer any questions so that you can increase your funding and impact your community and the world at large. So let's get started because money can be groovy. Hey guys, welcome to Grant Writing and Funding Podcast. We're on 029 and we are on our how to find grants. So we're definitely looking at grants. Um, we're looking at how to find them. And as you all know, we've really been going through federal grants. Uh, so we kind of started with the big ones and we're looking at grants.gov. Last week I gave you guys uh, my top pros and cons and tips on using grants.gov and we really broke it down because it's a huge website. And actually for this podcast. Um, we are also online, so this will definitely be on YouTube. Check out grantwritingandfunding.com and go to episodes. Um, you can click in 029 at the latest episode there, and you can find the link for this if you are not on YouTube already. Otherwise, go to my website, please. Check it out. Um, and just for everybody listening to this podcast, too, there's a lot going on right now. I have my new resource for you available, so the top 10 tips to position your nonprofit for funding. That is on my website. Please go there and check it out. I'm really excited about that. I give you guys a lot of free templates and I also give a 15% off coupon to my online grant writing course. So that is fantastic. Um, I'm glad to offer that value. I'm already getting people responding to the emails and just starting that dialogue and that relationship and answering some more questions. So I just really want to let you know, you guys, if you have any questions on grant writing and funding, please reach out to me at hollywego at gmail.com or check out my website, um, see if there's some resources there that can help you. All right, so today we are going through the nitty gritty of actually going through a federal grant application. Ta-da! All right, so this is a lot of how to write grants too because you have to know how to read the request for a proposal or what they call them in federal uh, grant speak is a funding opportunity announcement, the FOA. So you really need to know how to look through it so you know how to write the grant. So now that you know how to get registered on grants.gov and you know all about how to kind of navigate through grants.gov, we're actually going to find a grant today and we're going to look through the whole thing. And I'm going to show you what to kind of look for as far as what's really important in there and how you can kind of leverage that for when you write the grant. And that's one of the reasons why we have this video going on as well, because I'm actually going on grants.gov. I'm going to pull up everything and I've highlighted stuff to go through. So please check out this video. All right, guys. So here's grants.gov and here we are. We're logged in. And if you just go to grants.gov, you will definitely come up 
do it. So I love the name of it because it's also the website. But anyways, here we're going to go through this. And as we entered or as we talked about before, we talked about different ways to find grant opportunities. And here you can see the search bar on the very top. It says grant opportunities. So right away, we're going to say, OK, you know what? We're going to be doing um, some human trafficking programs for our you know services that we want to provide in our community because right now there's actually a lot of money out there for human trafficking because it's an issue so we're going to go ahead and we're going to look just put in human trafficking and let's go ahead and see what all comes up so we said go and remember because i didn't put the quotations i just put the two words human trafficking so both of those words any grants that contain those words are going to come up and you can see right here as soon as i put that in it has 642 matching results which is quite a bit so if you really wanted to tailor it down to make sure you're really finding not one or the other but you're having both of those words you can put the quotation marks around that and then you can hit search and right away, see, now that I did that, only 19 matching results actually popped up. So we're going to look at this. We Right away, it says the OVC, so that's Office of Violence of Crime, um, fiscal year 2018. There's comprehensive services for victims of all forms of human trafficking. And then there's another one that says specialized human trafficking training and technical assistance. And there's another one that says special, specialized services for victims of human trafficking. And it goes on and on. So those are the top three that popped up. And basically, they're just popping up because that's closest to your results. Um, I'm, I don't think it has any issue on the really, the posted date or the closed date because these are all different underneath there. But as I scroll down, you can kind of see how this goes. There's a whole bunch of different grants. So there's also one that says promote scholarship endowment. Um, and that's USAID, so USAID AFG, that's probably in Afghanistan. So that's probably what that stands for. And then you have other ones that go all the way down uh, low income taxpayer clinic. So I'm not exactly sure what all that is. There's one that for a Nigeria education crisis response. So there's all different kinds of uh, grants out there that have to do with human trafficking, 19 at this point in time. So let me check the one because I already kind of downloaded this, uh, specialized services. So let's see, I'm going to pop up the one specialized services. So this one here, you have the opportunity number on the left that is a hyperlink. And that's what you're going to click on. So why am I looking here? Well, I'm, I'm an organization, say I'm a nonprofit that wants to provide certain services for victims of human trafficking. And as of today, it's May 24th, uh, 2018. This was posted on May 14th. So about 10 days ago. And then also the closing date is 627. So June 27th. So I have a little bit of time, not a lot, but I do have some time to actually write this grant up. So I'm going to say, okay, let me check this out. So how would I check this out? So right there, right just on the snapshot before you go into it, you're going to be able to see, does this kind of meet possibly what I want to do? And has it closed yet? All right. So sometimes as you can see, this one down here, uh, chat-based technology and child maltreatment, this one, if you go across, it was posted on April 25th, and it has no close date. That means they just haven't published when the close date is yet, so it's it might take a little bit of time. You're never really sure because these are different monies from the federal government, um, and sometimes they're not, you know, they're earmarked for these, these grants, but other times, you know, it just takes so it is a tricky thing. So, and you can see quite a few can be like this. They have uh, a forecasted budget, but maybe it's not 
actually there yet. Maybe, you know, so you never really know. Sometimes this gets pushed back. But this one's also, it already has a close date. It has the funding there. So let's go ahead and click on the specialized services opportunity number. Now what this does is it brings you up to another page that has different tabs, but I love this page. And let's go ahead and talk about this page um, and what it means. So the, the funding opportunity number, that's what you just clicked on, and OVC stands for the Office of Violence of Crime. So right there you're seeing what federal agency it's from. It has the year 20-2018 and then dash another number. So how they actually, you know, they have to have numbers for all of their grants. And then they have the funding opportunity title, and that's the OVC Fiscal Year 2018 Specialized Services for Victims of Human Trafficking. Now the next line item you see here is opportunity category, and that is discretionary. Now you have discretionary grants. Discretionary grants are good. They're the kinds that you want to go after because they're basically what discretionary means uh, is that it is a competitive grant, so you're able to go after it. Now, there's not, it sometimes is not a discretionary grant, so you're not actually able to go after that grant because it's one that's non-competitive. They've kind of already earmarked who they're gonna give it to. So right away you're saying, okay, cool, it's discretionary, I'm good. Um, possibly, you still have to look at the eligibility, but at least it's out for competition. Now the next one has funding instrument type. It's a cooperative agreement. Now you have usually what you're gonna see nine times out of 10, or eight times out of 10, whatever that, you know, you're gonna see it's either gonna be cooperative or a regular grant. So it'll either just say grant or cooperative agreement. Sometimes it'll say contract, but moreover, it's gonna say grant or cooperative agreement. Now, if it says one or these two different things, what the difference basically is, is that a grant, it's just that, it's a grant, right? You still have to do your reporting, you have fiscal reporting, you have programmatic reporting, you have to adhere to your budget on any contractor grant, but you know, it's just like regular kind of terms. Now, cooperative agreement, is where the federal government is more heavily involved with the whole process. So they might require you to also do monthly webinars with other the other grantees that have received this grant. You know, so you have to kind of report on your objectives and your goals on a monthly basis. Or they just may work with you in more depth as far as um, providing more training, technical assistance, coming out and actually visiting your site and being a lot more involved. So in this grant, they will be more involved, which is fine. Like, you know, and the other thing too is they can also decide on certain things. Like you might have to submit, these are the people we're going to hire, these are their resumes, et cetera, and they kind of have to approve that and the certain budget for that. So they're, they're just a lot more hands-on which is great, especially if you're a startup organization, like to have that support of the federal government who has you know, a lot of experience in managing the grants. And if you're new to managing larger grants, this is actually, I think, in my mind, a good thing. So underneath that is a category of funding activity. And that is under income security and social services, law, justice, and legal services. So it's just kind of how that's cataloged under the federal government categories. Um, and then they go down, they have a blank for the next one. These won't always all be filled out, but the main things you wanna look at is what kind of grant is it? Is it discretionary? Uh, what kind of funding instrument? Is it a cooperative? Is it a regular grant? Is it a contract? Um, and then you wanna look down and say, okay, how many grants is this expected number of awards right here? And the expected number of awards um, is 20. So they're expecting to give out 20 awards for this grant 
which might be kind of cool. As soon as we look over here, you're gonna jump, boom, right over and say, estimated total program funding is 14 million. All right, that sounds like a lot, right? 14 million is pretty good, but it's not for one person. Remember, it's estimated number of awards are 20. So you would say 14 mil divided by 20, basically to get <laughs> the very like basic understanding of how much they're giving out. And it says right here, award ceiling and award floor. So the award ceiling, what that means is that's the most you can ask for. It's the ceiling, it's the most. And the floor, of course, is the least amount you can ask for. And here it's saying zero, but a lot of times they will say, you know, a certain number because they know you can't run the project on zero, right? But sometimes they just put zero, I think, because they're just trying to do the math real quick and get it out there. But, you know, sometimes you will see a number there saying you have to at least ask for 50,000 because we know, like, you don't try to undercut people by asking for something that's inadequate. It's not like a federal bid in some ways. It's, it's there. This is a grant. It's different. They know you need funding and that's why they're there to provide that funding. So ask for what you need. So that's the other thing too, is a lot of grant writers will say, go for the ceiling. Boom. If it's 700,000, ask for 700,000. There's pros and cons on that, but honestly, with my experience, you go for what you actually need. You might only need 500K to actually pull off your project and do it well, then ask for that. Otherwise, you just start making stuff up. And grant reviewers are gonna see that. They're gonna see where you're padding your budget lines, and then they're gonna start dinging you. So you might not actually get the grant. So ask for what you need, but at the same time, don't try to undercut it and shave it off so much that, oh, maybe if we only ask for 150, we're gonna get it because we're gonna just you know pay peanuts to our people, and we're not gonna provide all the things that are needed or whatnot just so we can be more competitive. That doesn't serve you well either because the reviewers will pick up on that. They'll be like, well, they're not able to service their target demographic properly. I don't see how this is gonna be realistic. So they're gonna ding you on that. So ask for what you need, but do it well. And make sure you provide all the justification, of course. All right, and of course what you wanna see here, there's a couple other things you wanna look at. So the CFDA number is always just, you need to have that, and that's gonna be repeated throughout the whole thing. But anyway, so that's just there. Um, the cost sharing or matching requirement. Now this, of course, is important because it's saying, as a federal grant, a lot of federal grants do require matching <laughs> or cost sharing amounts. And that basically means they're gonna say, okay, we're gonna give you $700,000, but you need to come up, say, with 10%. And for this grant specifically, they're asking you to come up for, with 25%. So that's the other reason you might not wanna ask for the ceiling is because then you're gonna to have to come up with 25% of 700,000, well, this, the math is a little different, I'll show you in a minute, but you're gonna have to come up with a certain percent of matching that. And it doesn't necessarily, you have to look at the funding or the funding opportunity announcement, the FOA, to understand if you can include volunteer time, that's like in-kind, right? You might be able to include in-kind to off-balance that amount. It's not necessarily cash, although sometimes it is, um, or sometimes you can use other grants. So maybe you've got a foundation grant that does not have, it's not federal funds, it's coming from a private foundation. Um, you could use that if it applies to your, the project, right? The grant project you're applying to. So maybe if something, you know, if it crosses over in some ways, you can actually use that funding to offset that matching 
amount. Or maybe there's a lease that, that you're going to provide a house for these victims, right? So you have a house that you're going to be providing and that house is going to come at no cost from the landlord and you can provide the lease to show um, usually he can he can charge you know two thousand dollars a month for this house but they're giving it to us at no cost so right away there would be 24k in matching which would be amazing so you know you can use all these different ways it doesn't necessarily have to be cash that you have to come up with but at the other time you do have to come up with the the commitment letters from everybody that you're getting the matching from to show that support so you know, you might ask for 500,000 instead of the 700,000 because 25% of that, it's going to be easier to come up with that amount than coming up with 25% of 700,000. All right. Anyways, so of course, the other thing here that's very important, and I love just this snapshot. You can see there's a lot of information I'm giving you just from this snapshot. It gives you so much information when you first look at it. So you know, basically, Hmm, is that something I really want to spend my time, my valuable, precious time going into and doing more research into? If right away from this snapshot, I can get a clear picture of, is that something that is actually, you know, interesting to me? Is it going to actually be worth my time? Sorry, you can hear that beeping outside. I'm not sure what's going on. Okay, so the other thing on here is, um, of course, the date. And you saw that already, the closing date is June 27th. So they have that here. Now, as you scroll down, they tell you who's eligible. So right away, you can see, are we even eligible? Um, and under here, it can be 501c3. <laughs> you can, um, so you can have uh, by statute grants under this program may be awarded to states, units of local government, federally recognized Indian tribal governments, uh, nonprofit groups. They have to have their 501c3, right? and nonprofit organizations such as tribal nonprofits. And then it goes and it breaks down even more. So you can really read this and say, hey, maybe hey, maybe somebody out there is gonna be eligible for this grant, which would be cool. Um, and then it just, as you scroll down, it also has the agency name, the Office for Victims of Crime, and the purpose. So the purpose, of course, is very important because when you look back at your own mission and vision and what you're really looking at doing for this project, then you want to see what their description is, what their priorities are, and say, do, do we do we kind of mix? You know, are we going to be a good fit together? So the purpose for this program is to enhance the quality and quantity of specialized services available to assist victims of human trafficking, as defined by the Tra Trafficking Victims Protection Act of 2000 and amended. So OVC is interested in supporting programs that focus on one or more of these priority areas. One, housing services. And we already talked, you already are, you know, you're looking at getting a house for for the victims. So that would fit you right away, possibly. I mean, it's a good, it's a good fit. You're a nonprofit, you're a state agency, whatever, and you're gonna get a house for victims. That's what you wanna do. And you say, okay, this might fit us. Already we can see we're aligned. Two, economic and leadership empowerment and or education services. Three, mental health services. Four, substance abuse services. And five, legal services. So if any of your project is doing one or more of those priority areas, you're probably a good fit, and as long as you're eligible. So then you would dive more into this FOA. Um, and of course, it just explains it a little bit more. They're expected to give 20 awards up to 700,000. They have an estimated budget of 14 mil. And, and then it goes on a little bit more to say they're going to make the awards for 36 months. 
So that's fantastic. You're going to have three years of funding, which is great. And that's going to begin on August 1st, 2018. So this is great. Once you go through, you have the full funding opportunity announcement to actually look through. And this is what you need to apply for grants. So what you want to really look at, what's important, and we're going to kind of skim through this just so you can see, to, this is what you want to look for. The deadline. Obviously, you already saw the deadline, but this might give you a little inform more information. It's saying that all applications are due by 11.59 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on June 27th, 2018 and you must register with grants.gov to be able to submit this. And we already did a podcast on how to register on grants.gov, so you can definitely check that one out. And then of course, and of course, I say don't have that be your deadline though, have two days before that deadline be your deadline because it gets crazy if you put it off too long. As you look down, they have contact information and they usually have somebody um, that have an email or something, you know, but grants.gov is open 24 hours a day, seven days a week, except for federal holidays. So you can definitely call in, which is great. Um, but usually they give you somebody specific. And as you can see in here, they, they uh, go ahead and they link you to a certain, another email that's directly to the OVC uh, person, the contact person. They have a pre-application webinar. Ooh, I went crazy. They have a pre-application webinar, so you can definitely go to that on Thursday, May 31st, 2018. And sometimes these are required. This one in particular is optional, but I would definitely say if you're going to apply for this grant, go ahead and if it has not, if it's not May 31st yet, where you know by the time you listen to this, go ahead and, and register and get and watch this webinar. Sometimes you might download the application or the funding opportunity announcement, and it's already past the webinar, right? And if it's required, then that kind of sucks because you missed out. But if it's not, you know, then sometimes they've also recorded it, and you can go and you can ask for a recording to watch the recording of it. So as you go down, they have a table of contents always, and that's great. Sometimes that's a great way. The other good thing, because as you can see, this is 46 pages long. There's a lot of federal speak in it. There's a lot of uh, information. Information. Um, some of these are a lot longer than that, and that's actually not that bad um, for FOA. Um, and use your search bar, like honestly, but read through the thing first, and I'm going to scroll through it to show you why. They're usually going to start off with their program description. So first they're going to tell you like why they're giving the grant out and for what purpose. And this is important to read, not just so you can make sure that you actually jive, like, like I was saying, your mission and vision jives with theirs. But this is where you can get language to put into your grant and they'll say, oh, wow, we like what they're doing because you're doing what they said they want to do, right? <laughs> Using the same language. So that's just a little trick for you on getting some language. Grant writing can be kind of repetitive, but as long as you understand what they're saying and you repeat it and then you put your spin on it, that's when it's really powerful. So they're saying they want to enhance the quality and quantity of specialized services available to assist victims of human trafficking. And they will provide funding to victim service organizations with a demonstrated history of providing services for victims of human trafficking. And then they go on to say there are various areas where a more focused in our intense focus is needed. And that's what this is about, specialized services, right? So they're saying this solicitation focus on, focuses on a number of these identified services in order to fill significant gaps. And these are, um, they, bu, 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 
funding will also support efforts to increase the capacity of communities to respond to human trafficking victims through the development of interagency partnerships, professional training, and public awareness activities. So you're going to want to concentrate on one or more of those things in this application. You're going to want to, you know, I would say all of it. And actually, you have to concentrate on all of it in this application. We'll get to it. But further in the grant, they actually say we want two to five percent of your budget to focus on these, you know, on this area and this much of your budget to focus on this area. So because you're focusing your budget on it, you're actually going to be doing something within that. And then it goes down to the priority areas. And like I said, you really want to make sure that you are, you know, doing the priorities that they want to do. And they do explain these here. They talk about housing services and they give you uh, more description here, economic and leadership empowerment and our education services, mental health services, substance abuse services, and legal services. And they give you the direct kind of descriptions under each one of those. And that's another great place to actually take language and put into your grant. You don't want to just repeat what they say and have no basis for it, but you can um, go ahead and use some of the language that they say. So an example of this would be, under the substance abuse services, programs include, but are not limited to, evidence-based prevention, treatment, and trauma-informed and recovery support services. Um, and then they go on a little bit more, but you could pull some of this language and say, um, we'll be providing substance abuse services if that's what you're actually going to do, and then say we're using evidence-based prevention, um, and this is what our evidence-based pre prevention is, and you could name what that practice is. Our treatment is blah, and then you could actually fill in the blank of what that is. And our trauma-informed, we've uh, had trauma-informed support from X, Y, and Z, and our recovery support services are from X, Y, and Z. You know, so you describe each one of those things and how you implement them or how your organization describes them, but you're using their framework and their language. They're also saying here specialized services supported under this program must be trauma-informed and linguistically and developmentally appropriate. So you might have to actually provide or you're going to have to show how in the case that is needed you can provide accessibility of services for program participants with limited English proficiency and those with disabilities. So, and that states it right there. So that's really good that they have this in this one reason. You need to read this because they might not put that in the criteria, but it's in the funding opportunity announcement. It's in the language of this entire document. So you kind of need to go through and highlight. And then it says OVC expects applicants to offer services um, inclusive as possible for all trafficking victims. So of course you can't discriminate. So you need to show that you don't discriminate. And then case management, they're saying you have to include a plan to ensure that case management is provided. And they give you examples here. They give you a couple of paragraphs. And once again, this is a great place just to kind of pull language from. Once again, don't just copy and paste. You have to explain it in your own words, but it's good to have kind of their language that you can interweave with your own. Activities that compromise victim safety and recovery. And here they, they explain everything. So, and they're saying what you need to have is your policies, and you can really draw from this here then to say that, or, you know, to make sure that you have these policies in place. They're saying here, right here, applicants that fail to dedicate adequate funding to support one or more of the priority areas identified above, and that was the housing, um, you know, mental health, et cetera, those, one of those five things, they're saying that they will be negatively scored in the peer review. So they're already telling you that right now you have to include that. 
and coordinating with law enforcement. They strongly encourage all grantees to assist clients above the 18 in complying with local, state, federal, and tribal government agencies um, with trafficking acts. So you have to make sure that you're complying and that you're working with them. Um, and then they want you to have at least one letter of support from a local, state, tribal, and or federal law enforcement agency. So right there you're saying, okay, we're gonna partner. You need to make sure that you're out getting your letter of support. Who are you gonna get that signed from? Etc. Then they go through your goal, objectives, and deliverables. And this is great because you're really going to pull, you know, you have your own objectives for your project, but you need to make sure they align with this one. As you go through this whole document, that's what you really want to pull. Those are the main things that you're really looking for is what is their language? What are the requirements? And how do they want me to do this? Because you might think, well, we already have, you know, these things set up, but they're going to give you oftentimes their forms of how they want you to fill things out. And if you don't you don't use their forms, you're going to get marked off because you might not have all the criteria in your own forms. So as I go down here, I just want to show you, they talk about federal award information again, and they're talking, you know, up to three years of time, $700,000, 20 awards, 14 mil total. Um, and you have to apply through continuation. Um, now each year, you don't have to do this whole huge competitive process again but you do have to submit a continuing application. You have to showcase what you've done in the prior year and how you've met your goals. And then you have to go forward on exactly, you know, what you're going to be doing for the next year. And, you know, you basically have to lay it out the first time. So it's a lot easier the second time. And sometimes they even have like a four page form or something like a lot shorter for you to fill out for that continuation. Here they're really telling you financial management and system of control, internal controls very fleshed out in this application. They have five components here that they're telling you they what they need. It's just very clear so you can go through this. The budget information. Now here's the cost sharing and matching requirement. This is very important because remember it did say yes there's cost sharing that is required for non-federal funds and as I said there's 25 percent required and you can see it right here. Federal funds awarded under the solicitation may not cover more than 75 percent of the total cost of the project. That means that $700,000 if you asked for the ceiling that's only going to be 75% of the total cost of the project. You still need to give 25% more on top of that for your 100% of the project. And how they do that, definitely, <laughs> it's different. It's confusing. There's a little formula, and I'm going to put this on my website because <laughs> it's a little confusing. You put your federal award amount, so say that $700,000, divided by the federal share percentage, which is 75%, because remember the matching is 25. So you divide $700,000 by 75%. That equals 933,000. That nine three 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 three. <laughs> Here it is. Sorry, I don't know why I'm having a problem with that. Anyways, you would then multiply that number by twenty five percent. So that would give you two hundred thirty three thousand three hundred three dollars. There we go. <laughs> so that would be your match. So your match. That's a lot for a match. So that, that's what I'm saying. If you don't need to spend seven hundred thousand dollars for your project you don't necessarily have to ask for $700,000. If that will reduce your um, in-kind or your matching, your non-federal, right? If that's gonna reduce that number then automatically. So that actually might be better for you 
if it's easier for you to come up with that amount. So anyways, you can see it's not 25% of 700,000. That would give you a different number. This is a weird federal, because they're looking at the total amount, federal amount. It's only 75%. I know it's really confusing. I'm definitely putting this on my, this little formula on my website. So please check it out there just so you can always refer back to it. And of course they're saying no pre, you can't charge for anything that was done pre-grant award. And that's another thing, like a lot of people will say, can I hire grant writers and just, you know, pay them if the grant's awarded with the grant monies? No, you cannot because you cannot pay for anything that's been done pre-award. And obviously writing the grant was done before it was awarded. So there's that. They have some other stipulations in here about conferences and trainings. They're saying you have to ask in advance if you want to go to these. And sometimes they also, this one actually has a required training. But apparently now on this one, which is really cool, you can do it online. And I think because a lot of times in the past, and you're still going to see this, is the federal grants will say, okay, we require you to do one mandatory training, usually in DC, and you have to put that in your budget. So the grant will pay for it. But you know, you might be putting in several thousand dollars to go to these annual trainings. And now they're doing a lot more where it's, you can do it online because that's saving them money. <laughs> you don't necessarily have to go there. You know, and a lot of times people are jet lagged, it's a different time zone. It's, it's not so impactful. And it would probably be maybe a little bit more impactful just from where they're at if they can get that information. And it saves money and you can apply more of the money than towards your direct services or your other categories in your budget. Okay, so once again, it talks about your eligibility and it talks about your application and submission information. Now here is the law, what you're really looking for after you go through all of that. It tells you what is required for your application. So it says a program narrative, budget detail worksheet and budget narrative. So they're actually gonna give you one that you have to fill out a plan for action re research, project timeline, and then they say they do want letters of support and they tell you from who, MOUs, letter of intent, blah, blah, blah. They have different forms that are you know, required as well and those will be on workspace too. So when you go up for workspace, you can just fill them out right there instead of filling them out like download and separate and then you can upload them to workspace or you can do them right on workspace. So that's pretty cool. But they want you to have a project abstract. Project abstract, they're saying, will not go towards the page limitation. Really read this though, because it says, we want a project abstract that summarizes the proposed project in 400 words or less. Heed that, <laughs> this is an advice. These are requirements, heed that requirement. Go 400 words or less, and then they say, we want it to be single space using standard 12 point font such as Time New, Times New Roman with one inch margins. That's how specific it is. If you get flowery and put all these pictures and make it like, you know, multiple spaces and blah, 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 it's just gonna get chucked, all right guys? So go by what they say, even though it's boring. It's boring as I'll get out, make it <laughs> standard, make it very standard to what the requirements are. Um, and they tell you exactly what they wanna hear in that. So you need to follow this. They want the legal name of the applicant, they want the proposed priority areas, and they already told you what those priority areas that they were gonna focus on, so don't make up your own. Do what they want and then put your project in line with that. They want a specific description of the geographic area where the activities will be focused. They want the amount of federal funding requested. So what are you asking for? Remember, you're stealing 700,000. Don't ask for more than that. Do not ask for more than the ceiling. 
They will check that out, possibly. <laughs> so they're just not going to give it to you. The number of trafficking victims served each year in 2015, 2016, and 2017. I'd say just make a tiny little graph, boom, so it's very easy to see. Um, and that would be from your jurisdiction of wherever you're going to have the geographic area, of course. Now your program narrative. So that's your program abstract. That's a one single space, doesn't count towards the word count, or the, um, sorry, not the word count, there's 400 words or less. It doesn't count towards the page limitations of the entire application, they're saying. But your program narrative does. And they're saying this, it needs to be double spaced, right? They want it double spaced using standard 12 point font Times New Roman, just always use Times New Roman. They say preferred, so just use it. Have no less than one inch margin, so don't try to get tricky saying, oh my gosh, I need more space, so I'm gonna make my margins bigger. Don't do that. Um, and it should not exceed 40 pages. Now you might say, wow, 40 pages, that's a lot. Let me tell you, that's not a lot when it comes to federal grants. They ask for a lot of information and you're trying to be as clear as possible and you're trying to share as much as you can about your project, but you want it to be simple, guys. You want, you have to fall in line with the 40 pages. You have to number your pages. And they're telling you right here, if it fails to comply with these length related restrictions, OVC may consider such non-compliance in peer review in a final award decision. That means they might check it out. The other things I, I see as a grant reviewer, I see what is done is as soon as you go past that 40 pages, say if you added, you had 50 pages or 100 pages more on there, they would black it out. So all of a sudden I have a PDF that I'm downloading, it's 150 pages, but I'm only able to see 40 of those pages. The rest is just black. So if you're getting really cute scene, you're saying, we're gonna throw in our, our business plan, and we're gonna throw in this, and we're gonna throw in our research study, and we're gonna throw in our needs assessment, and blah, 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 so it looks really good. Chance, and you don't know where those are gonna land. That's the other thing. You When you upload it, you might think it's gonna be in this subsequent kind of direction and not, it doesn't always do that. Okay, so let's go on, let's get through this guys. So description of the issue. This is what you wanna do and this is kind of where I wanna to close today. Well, I have a couple more things. Here is what you wanna use as your headers, <laughs> okay? So in, when you're writing, you can just take this and say, a description of issue. That's exactly how you want your grant application to look. You want it so, and why? So here for you that can't see this, it says a description of issue, and then it has all of these bullet points underneath that. And it says describe the specific problem in the geographic service area that the project will address. So it has this very specific thing. And then the next bullet point is current services available. You wanna use all of these as your headers and subheaders, like literally. And then you just want to write to this criteria. You don't want to make up your own. You don't want to go out on a tangent and talk about other things. Write to this because that's what you're going to be scored on. So you want to have it reflected. Um, like I said, though, you want to use their language, but then you want to use your own examples and you want to use your own descriptions to support that language. But you definitely just, I mean, this will make it easy for you. It's not like looking at 40 blank pages going, how am I going to fill this in? You're just using all of their information and you're taking it as headers and subheaders and you're writing to the criteria. So as you go through this entire thing, that's pretty much what you wanna do. And then to understand though, how they're gonna score it, just read through this, make sure you're including everything. They're telling you about evaluations, they're telling you about, for this area, we have an attachment, it's you know addendum number, whatever, use that. So don't try to come up with your own little framework. 
use theirs and then apply your information to it. Same thing, they're saying we have a budget detail worksheet that we want you to use, use that. And then they're even telling you things like consultant rates. You may not exceed the maximum of $650 per day or if paid by the hour, $81.25 per hour for a maximum eight hour workday. So they're giving you things. And when I say with budgets too, let's just touch real quick on the budgets. Look online at the federal actual allowability. So if you're looking at rates, go to the GSA website, look at the rates that the federal government uses, and then just justify your rates with that. I mean, just make sure you're not going to, you know, if you're renting a house, so this has housing included, if you are having to pay for that, or if even your lease is getting covered, you can't just automatically say, oh, landlord, tell us you would charge $10,000 a month so we can get that covered, right? And our in-kind and our non-federal. You can't make up numbers. It would have to be the fair market value, right? So you have to still use what is fair market. You can't charge a whole bunch more just because it's a grant. You can't pay your consultant $300 an hour. They're telling you right here, here are your maximum rates. You need to follow that, okay? So as we go through this, I just want to touch, I know this is starting to get to be a long podcast, guys, and I just, um, there's a lot of information here, but this is how you really look the nitty gritty of looking at grants, of the federal grants, how you go through it. And a lot of these forms, as I'm scrolling through here, you see a lot of these forms of this information, that's also gonna be on Workspace. It's already gonna be uploaded for you, but you really need to be reading through this to make sure you understand everything and, and are able to, like I said, pull the language, use their language when you're describing things. The last thing, and this is interesting, they're giving you the training plans, everything they need, they're giving you details on this, and I love, this FOA is a really good FOA. Even their MOUs, this is, you have to include certain things in MOUs. You can't just have two people sign it. They're telling you exactly what to put in it. So they're giving you the outlines for everything. And like I said, here they're telling you, you must allocate two to 7% of your total budget towards this research activity. And they're gonna tell you how much of your budget. So instead of you just having to create this on your own, you actually have to adhere to what they're asking you to do. They want the letter of commitment, here's your MOUs. You have to put the name of the organizations involved, the scope of the direct specialized services, duration of the agreement, estimated cost per victim, or cost of actual services provided. And they're telling you even if it's a, if it's a fee, if it's in-kind or no cost, you still have to describe the value. They, what they want is describe how services will be provided to victims without the use of grant funds. All right, so in your letters of support, in those non-federal matching letters, they wanna know that. They wanna know the total amount of the agreement and whether or not there is a minimum or maximum number of victims who may be served under the agreement. Very specific. I would just take that, copy it, put it in your MOU, and then fill it out underneath and make those your bold headers so they when the reviewers are reviewing going, so do they have you know, the estimated cost? They're gonna look at this. Do they have the estimated cost per victim? And then all of a sudden they see your header that says the exact same thing. They're gonna be able to find it immediately. And then you'll get points. See, it'll be a lot easier for you and it'll be a lot easier for the grant reviewer. They want a project timeline. They want descriptions and resumes. Once again, they're telling you how to apply. Of course, you have to have your SAM number. Make sure you're on grants.gov, guys. Make sure you're all registered like weeks before, as soon as you see this. They're way down at the back, way down at the back, and this is usually always where it is, it says application review information, review criteria. And for this FOA, it's not very 
fleshed out at all. So this is what the reviewers are gonna be looking at. So you need to make sure right here under the criteria that you cover each one of these things. And it's usually above, like I said, use that as your headers and everything. But oftentimes it's down here in the review information and it's a little bit different. Follow this one specifically. Use that other information, but make sure this, the review criteria is what you're really writing. You're writing against this one right here. Because right here you can see the first one, statement of the problem slash description of the issue, 15%. All right, so 15% out of the 100% that this reviewers are gonna score, this, this one part of your grant is gonna account for 15%. Project design and implementation is 40%. All right, so that's where a lot of points are gonna come from or be deducted from. So you wanna make sure that is a really good section. Capabilities, and you know, then that's 15%. Plan for collecting data, 2%. Plan for action research, 8%. Budget. 10%, training plan, 5%, and MOUs, 5%. So that's where you get your points from, okay? You need to make sure all those areas are flushed out and that you know you have really good areas. But at the same time, the one you really wanna be focusing on is a project design and implementation because that's 40%. But you don't wanna forget the other ones because every percent counts in a grant. So really make sure you have covered all of those things and as you go through it, even give this grant after you write it to somebody else and say, review this using this criteria. Before I even submit it, let me get a trial run and see how much I scored on this. Because they might say, eh, you know what, I'm only giving you 30% because you didn't account for X, Y, and Z right under this. So that gives you a great information. But basically, once you get this grant all written and you submit it and you go on a workspace, <laughs> then you know you have to actually, it goes into a review panel. First, it's just make sure you have all of the documentation there. If you don't or you went way over in your pages or whatever, they can just tuck it out at that point. They have, they get so many grants <laughs> like coming in that first they just vet, just get rid of this things that are, you can't even follow directions, your grant's out. That's basically it, right? And then they go through the rest of them and they make sure that you're eligible and everything else. And then it goes into a panel where you have different reviewers that are sitting on a panel and you have a chair and then you can have a chair of that chair just to make sure everything's transparent and they score it. And they score it based on this right here, this criteria. This is how you get your scores. And then all of these scores go to the chair and the chair submits that to the one above them. And if, if, you, if you get the award, that's fantastic. It's great, it goes on to another process. But basically, if you don't get the award, even if you submit a grant, you're gonna have, and you're eligible and you don't get checked out in the beginning, then you're gonna get a lot of great feedback from those reviewers. You really are. And you can resubmit for the grant the next year using that feedback and using your score and knowing what you didn't you were weak at, knowing what your strengths were, and you can resubmit and hopefully get that grant awarded. So don't be discouraged, you know, if you get your grant kicked out um, after spending all this time and actually writing it and going into it, because it's always um, it's a product, it's a way for you to get clear on your projects and what you want to do, and then it's also a great way to get be more competitive for the next cycle. All right, guys, so that is grants.gov. That's actually going into a grant on grants.gov, going into a funding opportunity announcement and really understanding it at a snapshot level to say, hey, are we even 
eligible? Is it something we want to go after? You can, like I said, you can spend a few minutes just understanding that. It doesn't have, you don't have to go through this whole process every time. Go through the snapshot approach first and figure out, is this something we want to go after? Are we eligible? If it's a yes, then you go through this process. And after you go through this, then you know how to, you can actually start writing the grant and how to do it properly. All right, guys, if you have any questions, once again, hollywego at gmail.com. Check me out on grantwritingandfunding.com. You can get some great resources um, that are free all about grants and all about funding. Thank you for listening to today's show. As always, please feel free to send me an email if you have any grant writing or funding questions to hollywego at gmail.com. If you enjoy listening to the grant writing and funding podcast, then I would love to ask you a favor. Please leave a review on iTunes or SoundCloud. Thanks again for listening and go get funded.